Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings of VA Draft Podcast, the podcast that highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hedrick, so always welcome to the Great Stone Hansen. And the next in our series of guests here to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's the great KR. Uh, he is at the flare screen on Twitter. He has his own uh website where he puts out some really fun draft work. Recently put out a piece on Jet Howard and proprioception, which I thought was excellent. And um, you know, one of those pieces that is a reminder that proprioception is a really fun skill to talk about. Um He's great. I I I I kind of I feel like I met you over the summer and, and we've had uh, quite a few draft conversations go, dating back to last draft. So, KR, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. I couldn't be more stoked to be on here and talk everything Thunder with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I think uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue with this team, and and I'm I'm giddy to dive in, giddy. Uh, but before we do yeah. that, Stone, my friend, how you doing? uh i'm I'm just i'm doing at this point i'm just existing um i'm exhausted my dog's pissing me off this morning it's a rough one but uh you know hopefully um it, it gets better talking to kr here talking about one of my favorite young teams uh in the thunder i do have just the slightest bit of animosity towards the thunder as a seattle guy but um it's 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 more frustrating that they're so like uber competent that like it's because seattle just felt like never had that and, and then uh they get the new owner they move to, to okc and their owner is like arguably the best owner outside of the lake ups and and uh um what's this bombers of the league in terms of just like staying out but letting you know presty have a lot of power and presty's a great gm so like I always have that little bit of frustration but at the same time they are super fun and last year the thunder had I would say like the year you really hoped in that they took the step up this, you know, they've been tanking for quite a while at that point, um, including some of the most aggressive tanking we've seen since those early Sixers teams. Um, but it all, it all felt like it started to coalesce into something that really mattered. I thought that um, Mark Dignall proved himself to be one of the most interesting uh, highest upside young coaches in the league. Shea obviously had an all NBA first seat, uh, first team season, which is just crazy. So, KR, what was your like general feeling about the Thunder throughout last season, and, and what are your you know what are the positive vibes like moving forward? Yeah, I mean, last season obviously like you can't say our season wasn't a success. You know, we came into the year we were one we we're projected to be straight out one of the most one of the worst teams in the entire NBA. And we outblew those expectations. We outblew every single expectation, like media, casual fans, even Thunder fans alike. The media predicted us to be one of the worst teams in the league. We ended up advancing in the play-in and one way it went from the playoffs, right? I don't even think the most optimistic Thunder fan preseason would have thought we'd be that close to the playoffs already. Um, so we outblew each and every single expectation anyone could have had. And on top of that, like you said, Shea made all NBA first team, which a lot of Thunder fans thought he might make like a couple NBA teams, NBA first teams, sometime down the line of his career. But we, I don't think anyone thought it would be this quick, right? So he made first uh, NBA first team. He had one of the greatest scoring seasons for a guard under 25 of all time. It was really a historic scoring season. He averaged, what, 32 points per game on like 62% true shooting. 
He played like 70 games. That's one of the best scoring seasons of all time, like for a guard under 25. So he cemented himself as a superstar in this league, which, of course, is always amazing to have a superstar on like a rebuilding team this early on into your rebuild. And if that wasn't already a pleasant surprise, you got Jalen Williams. He finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. He was arguably the best rookie for the entire second half of the season. He's a huge reason why we almost made the playoffs. And so to have that kind of impact as a rookie, not just any rookie, but a rookie in the uh, picked in the late lottery, picked number 12, that's great value there. I think he looks to contend for future all team. Uh, I think he looks to contend for all star teams in the future. So that kind of value pick at 12 is always great. Josh Giddy progressed. He continued to be one of the very best passers in the league at just 20. Um, he showed more scoring aggression and finishing proficiency. And as always, the Florida game was also beautiful. And then Isaiah Drobe, he was one of the most pleasant surprises for us as well. He proved to be one of the best shooters in the league, and his contract turned out to be a steal. And even someone like Usman Jing, he had a great year in the G League. You know, halfway through uh, his season, he dealt with a wrist injury, which set him back a bit, but still, very positive season in the G League. Uh, he was drafted as a project, so that kind of de development is always good. And even our second-round pick, Jalen Williams, he proved he can be a real contributor. He had a big three in the play-in, so that kind of value pick in the second round is always great, too. So, like, all around, I'd argue this Thunder season was one of the best of all time in terms of how many pleasant surprises we got, how much development we've made since 2021, which is the start of our rebuild, how bright our future is looking, and all the expectations we blew away in season. It was great, and it's really just an awesome time to be a Thunder fan. Couldn't be more excited. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and, and like you mentioned, a lot of pleasant surprises, but I think obvi the obvious, most important one is Shea. Shea yeah. went from someone who you're like, oh, that can be a really good player. He's a solid build around piece, too. He's worked himself into the conversation where it's like in two to three years, four years, can he be the best player on a championship team? And, you know, it's hard to really make those types of, uh, predictions without any type of playoff like like real playoff experience obviously he had that rookie year with the Clippers where he looked good and he was good in the play-in and there's like a lot of upside there with Shea but I think him starting to actualize things turning himself into you mentioned that superficial score but also like a, still a good passer not the best passer on the team but still a good passer and, and someone who can uh contribute in in you know more like egalitarian scheme as well there's so much to like there with Shea um you mentioned a lot of like like the steals with with the two Jalen Williams and you you know I, I was lower on Ushman Jay coming into the year but he did have a good year in the G League um Giddy's obviously great that's not even to mention the second overall pick last year Chad Holmgren who Stone and I were both uber high on as just Someone who is going to be one of the better rim protectors in the NBA at some point, I think, um, can really space the floor. He is, like, in my opinion, the ideal big next to Shea in some ways, next to someone like Giddy. Um, you're talking about just this team is so chock full of high field guys who can, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot. And, and you talk about that built around Shea. It's really fascinating. But there are some guys who I think are maybe more on the fringes of this roster or – also potentially, you know, a bit, I don't want to say expendable, but at a certain point, guys are going to have to be let go of because there's just too many valuable, good players on this roster. Poku showed a lot of promise early in the year, but then got hurt and didn't really play much throughout the end. And it seems like uh, Arkansas Jalen Williams, uh, J.A.Y., you know, has sort of surpassed him in some ways. Kenrich Williams is obviously great. He's a veteran. Everyone loves him. 
but there's some worry there that just like how many forwards can this team possess? Uh, you have a Lou Dort, who is the second highest paid player on the team. Have some questions about where he's going. Trey Mann. I mean, we could you could spend all day. JRE, Aaron Wiggins. If you were to if you were to kind of guess, like, do you think almost all those players are back, or who? Talk us through who you think might be gone this offseason. Yeah, I think um, I think Poku is someone who's definitely on the trading block. Like you said, he's dealt with injuries. And he showed a lot of flashes and a lot of promise. But how much of it is going to actualize in time for, like, the Thunder, they just made the plane last year. They're one win away from the playoffs. They're going to get shipped back, and they're going to get another lottery pick. They're probably going to make more progress next season. So when is that upside, like, if ever, is that upside ever going to actualize? And if so, when? Right? So for a team that's, like, progressing more and more towards win now, where does he stand? So that's he's kind of in a sticky spot. Um, another guy you mentioned is Lou Dort. Uh, Ludort's great. I love him. I've loved him since his rookie year. He's turned out into what he's developed into one of the best guard defenders in the entire NBA, right? His screen navigation has improved every year. He's just straight up one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He can lock anyone down from Lillard to Kawhi. And his off-ball defense has progressed every year, too. He's turned into one of the best guard defenders in the NBA. But on the offensive end, he's incredibly streaky. He has a 10, he can go 10 games where he's shooting like two for 30 on threes. And then the next 10 game stretch, he shoots like 45%. He, it's very hard for him to consistently produce impactful offense on like 10 game stretches at a time or like any given game stretches. So he's very inconsistent. And when he's not shooting the ball, how else is he impacting? Like he's a good passer, but like when he's driving, he's not the best finisher. He makes questionable decisions. So for a team that's looking for like, dribble pass shoot guys at all five positions guys who can maintain and convert advantages that Shea, Giddy, and Jadab create the offensive fit with Ludo there is kind of mucky um the defense is great but the offense is definitely a question mark so I think he's also someone who's on the trading block so Poku, Ludort, and Kenrich I think Kenrich stays most likely he said he wanted he's wanted to retire at Thunder and Presti has um has said that he wants Kenrich here for as long as possible so I think you at least need one veteran that can like guide the team and I think I'm pretty sure Kenrich is like the leader, the voice of this team. So I think he stays just like for that reason. Uh, and then Lindy Waters, uh, pretty much to be honest, anyone but Shea, Chet, Gideon, Jada, pretty much everyone else is on the trading block. You know, I think I think we keep Isaiah Joe too. That contract's a steal. But yeah, Blue Dort, Poku, those are the guys I have my eye most on. And then Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's probably uh, on the trading block too. So those are probably my main three guys who are. Like you said, not necessarily expand expendable, but like if Presty were to trade some guys, those guys would be under the scope. And and I think it's notable that throughout his tenure, basically, you know, forever, Presty's been very willing to be aggressive in trades, whether that be moving around in the draft or acquiring different talent. Uh, I just think that's something he's always done. He's always done well. Um, so let's talk about a couple trade ideas. We'll talk about trading up. In a, in a minute, because I, I know we have we have some thoughts there, but in terms of like trading out, packaging guys to trade out, like say package twelve and new door, like and I I I believe this team has cap space enough to get to, to where they could if they combined new door they could get to a max. So obviously you're gonna have guys like Jalen Brown mentioned here. I I don't know how realistic that is. I don't think Jalen Brown is gonna get traded, but you never know. KR, are there any other guys who kind of stand out to you as, you know, who are already in the league as potential targets for for a big blockbuster trade? I don't think right now in terms of guys who are available, there's like 
a realistic blockbuster trade. Like you said, Jalen Brown is a name. I don't think he's going to get traded. And even if he was to get traded, I don't think OKC is the best fit. Like we're looking for guys that make uh, quick decisions off the catch, who like maintain advantages, um, who can like handle the ball, like not very turnover prone. I don't think Jalen Brown is that. I don't think he fits in well with like what we're trying to build. Like you look at J-Dub, Usman Jang, Chet, and like uh, everyone around like Shane Giddy. It's guys who can maintain advantages, right? It's like if Shea or Giddy were to create an advantage, it's people who can shoot, decisively attack closeouts, make that extra kick out, keep the flow of the offense going. And like every, so that way no advantage or, or the advantages that are wasted are kept to a minimum, right? Um, I don't think Jalen Brown fits in well here in terms of that. And other stars like Bradley Beal, Luka Doncic, anyone else I'm trying to think of, I don't think anyone's really on any big star is really on the trading block this year. So I don't really necessarily think we're trading out of the lottery this year. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, and and just as you said that, like I, I'm with you. I, I don't love the Jalen Brown fit. I feel like that would be hasty. I was thinking it'd be hasty of Boston to move on for, from him, but you, you never know. And um, let's talk about trading up because I know you have some really interesting thoughts on this. Uh, 12 is an interesting spot to be. Stone and I have talked about this a few times. It does feel like there's a somewhat strong top 11 or so. There could be someone who falls out of that top 11, but we feel pretty strongly that, you know, obviously that top top three is pretty set, you know, and then four through probably about eight is pretty set. And then there's kind of another tier of like two to three guys right after that. So if you're looking to trade up and get into that top 11, who are some targets you'd be really interested, interested in KR? My main target I'm really interested in if we were to trade up is Dress Walker. Because you look at the guys Oklahoma City has drafted over the past two, three years, not just J-Dub, Usman Jang, like Darius Basie. They're guys with length, positional size, moving, movement skills, passing, and defensive versatility. And we, when you look at those categories, like there's no one who screams thunder more than Jarris Walker. Like on offense, OKC wants ball skills and processing at all five positions. It's like why we don't ever target a traditional big. Like last year, we had two chances to draft Jaron Durr at um 12 and 13 we didn't do that and we're probably not going to draft Derek Lively in this year's draft because we want ball skills and processing at all five positions as much versatility as possible like I said so you can best create and maintain advantages next to Shea so when you look at it from like that landscape there's no one who fits it better than Jarvis Walker on defense like his length and versatility it really shines in like our scheme that circles around over rotating to limit penetration and recovering the perimeter shooters in terms of like that scheme the ground coverage that Juris Walker provides and that versatility he provides on defense, it doesn't, there's no one better in this draft in terms of someone who fits our scheme. And then um, on uh, on offense, where Chet isn't the best at creating like micro advantages with the screening, Dress is. And like he has a broad offense, offensive skill set, right? He's an array, uh, he has an array of end outcomes with his ball skills, but a simplified role as like a connecting play finisher is where he'd probably shine in his first couple seasons. So having Shea and Giddy to th- like throw him pocket passes, throw him lobs as, while he's rolling to the rim, there's no better fit there. So I think that's a really good fit on offense. And on defense, the ground coverage, the rim protection, the defensive versatility, it's all there. And he fits in pretty much perfectly. Um, you may argue the floor spacing isn't great there. He's not like – it's debatable whether or not he – you have to close out, him in, close out on him as a shooter. But if he can improve his shooting and you have to close out on him and he's able to like attack off the catch, attack closeouts – that's, that just makes him even more unstoppable in terms of maintaining advantages, converting advantages that Shane Giddy create. So I think that's like the perfect, perfect fit for OKC if we were to trade up. 
No, I and I love that idea. And and I'm someone and Stone and I we've had this conversation. I am lower on Walker than most, but I do think the Thunder are the best place to maximize him and his ability to make absurdly quick decisions is such a good fit off of you know what you're hoping the other gravity of these players are. It's really easy to see him fitting in and sort of doing these like you know, think of like like when they're running you know, DHOs with Isaiah Joe and, and he can turn and turn and, and, and attack there. Or if a team is going to try and blitz Shea to, to make sure he can't turn the corner and he's in the short roll. I think he's someone who can catch lobs, which is something that I think Chet can do. I don't think he's like a great lob threat. And I have, yeah. I, I think Walker could shoot. Like I, I'm not worried about the spacing. I like he, I don't trust him to like create his own shot from outside and I don't love his pick and pop stuff, but like, I think you can stick him in the corner and he can be a better shooter than like a Josh Giddy probably even. And, and Giddy's a, yeah. a fine shooter. So I actually really like that fit. I think that's a good idea. Stone, is there anyone who stands out to you as as someone you'd maybe be looking to trade up for if you're the Thunder? I um, I would consider trading up for Anthony Black. And it sounds weird on the surface just because you have Giddy, you have JW, you have Shea, you have all these ball movement guys that um, K- KR was talking about. But I think he really does like add to it rather than overlap, um, if that makes sense. Like I think having guys across four positions now that are extremely high level passers that can all move the ball, all play defense and switch. Like, I th- and then you have Chet at center. Like, to me, that just makes a ton of sense. Now, Anthony Black's shooting is an issue. I, I don't buy Jarius Walker as a shooter, and I don't buy Anthony Black as a pull-up shooter necessarily. I have more faith in Black as a spot-up guy than I do Walker probably. And I think um, just the ability to – with Dagnalt's coaching too, I think he's a really smart coach and to be able to have consistent movement in the offense between all those guys, um, they're going to be able to find openings so easily between all four of them. <clears throat> and then you have Chet, who I think is a really good passer too for his position. So I, I think that it, it sounds weird maybe on paper because you have so many guys with overlaying um skill sets but i think ultimately the some of the parts together really makes it fit and work yeah and, and then one name i'll throw out and this is a this is a little different but I, I think grady dick would be an interesting and he could be there at 12 like he's one of the guys who could fall but i think you're probably gonna have to trade up to you know nine or ten just a couple just a couple moves just a small little you know a small little trade up but i think that dick is someone who is also a very good like quick decision maker he's not the ball handler that walker is um but getting another like very real shooter on the wing i think would be useful for this team even if he's not quite that full dribble pass shoot that a lot of these guys they look for are um i think dick would be a great fit Kiara, is there anyone else who stands out to you or, or are you about ready to move on to pick 12 yeah i think grady dick's uh Grady Dick's a great trade-up option. Um, I'm a little more skeptical on the Anthony Blackfit, although Stone, you did make like some really good points as to four guys who can dribble pass, or like you said, you believe in uh Anthony Black shot, so dribble pass shoot. Four guys who can pass there is like really impressive, and then Chet can pass too. I think you made some great points, but um, I'm a little more skeptical on that fit. Although Grady Dick, I think that's a great fit, right? Like you said, he's not as dribble pass shoot as like some of the other guys we've drafted, but we have lacked floor spacing for like the past three, four years. That's not a question. And he's probably the best shooter in this class. So adding him would be great. And 
even besides shooting, he has an incredible ancillary skill set. Like catch and shoot, movement shooting, that's all great. But he can attack closeouts with the one-two pull-up mid-range jumper. He can attack closeouts, get all the way to the rim. Or like he said, he can make that connective pass. He's really good at making, whether it's off the catch, making a quick decision one pass away, or attacking the closeout and maintaining the advantage. I think he has a really good ancillary skill set. And even on defense, I'm pretty high on Grady Dick's defense. I think he can be a row plus defender down the line. So getting a guy with that kind of ancillary skill set on offense who's not a defensive liability, arguably the best shooter in the draft for a team that needs floor spacing, I, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, there's a chance he's there at 12. And let's talk 12 because I mentioned that top 11. And when I say that, generally where I'm at with that top 11 is that it seems like, I mean, obviously you have the top three, Amen probably at four, and then Asar, Jerace, Grady, Ant Black, um, Kassan Wallace feels like he's in there, though he's someone who's been discussed as potentially a faller. Um, and then there's two guys I'm missing because my brain isn't working this morning. But that's all right. Uh, actually, that might have been 11, 3 plus 8. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, there's kind of that clear top 11. And after that, I feel like the draft really, really opens up. And because of that, we've heard some really interesting rumors about who the Thunder might be leaning towards here at pick 12. I'll say that I don't buy like smoke out of OKC at all because they seem very tight lipped. Uh, Presti seems to run a very, you know, closed circuit tight ship there. And, and um, you know, no one knew they were taking giddy. It felt like, and um, yeah. you know, when it did happen, it was kind of a shock to a lot of people. And I, I just, I, so, so I'm not really buying any of that, but I do think this is a really interesting spot to be at. So, KR, who are some guys stand out to you that you think are going to be there at 12, or at the very least that you hope might be there at 12, who you'd really, really like in OKC? Yeah, speaking of not buying smoke, I think that was a great point. Like, there have been some rumors that the Thunder might have promised Bilal Koulibaly, right? I don't think that's true because, first of all, I've never, besides Poku, there have never been any leaks about Pressy promising anyone, uh, especially this late in the draft. Um, probably Poku is the only one anyone's ever gotten right. And then Chet was really an obvious pick there too. So I don't buy any smoke coming out of Oak State. I agree with you. But in terms of some guys I like at 12, I think you mentioned Kaysen Wallace being a potential faller. I think he's a pretty great fit, right? He pretty he fits on pretty much any team. He's one of the best guard defender prospects of the past decade, if not like of all time. You know, he's great laterally, laterally shifting weight, absorbing contact, maintaining balance, poking balls away. And just staying with this man, right? Navigating screens and getting stops. And then, like, off the ball, getting stocks, deflection in, in passing lanes, covering rotations, being aware, just being in the right place at the right time. He's very technically sound. And, like, he's shown some real shot blocking upside in the guard, which is pretty rare. So he's one of the best guard defender prospects, really, I've ever scouted. And then, like, on offense, he can shoot well off the ball. He uh, draws closeouts. He can attack closeouts. He finishes well. You know, he can make the extra pass, and he's shown promise as, like, a secondary pick-and-roll creator, which is always nice because OKC always looks for that creation at, like, any pick. He has a nice midi pull-up, a nice floater, some good pick-and-roll passing. So he fits on pretty much any team, and I think OKC is no different. So that's a good fit. Bilal, I think if Pres – I don't think Presti's going towards him, but if he were to, I think that's a good fit. Uh, Jet Howard and Keontae George are two other guys I would look at, I would look at at 12. Can you quickly talk about, like I mentioned, you wrote that great piece, and you don't have to talk about like everything in depth that you said, but how would you feel about Jet Howard specifically on the Thunder? Yeah, so how I would feel great about it. I don't necessarily think Presti leans towards it because, like I said, he wants defensive versatility at like all five positions, and Jet is 
not the best defender in this draft. That's not a secret. But how I would feel about it, I'd you know I'd be ecstatic if we drafted him at twelve. He's uh his baseline as like an incredible incredible ancillary piece on offense is like great. He's very good as an ancillary piece, and he can grow into more. He's an excellent second side creator, coming off screens, handoffs, attacking closeouts, putting him in multi screening actions. Like his dribble pass shoot threat and like his versatility with that dribble pass shoot threat is crazy on the second side. He's one of the best shooters in this class. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as like one of the two, three best shooters in this class. He has a baseline handle to maximize that shooting. He can put the ball on the floor, attack downhill, attacking off the catch. And then he's a very good passer to leverage that ancillary scoring scoring prowess and that shooting. So he can uh, utilize that passing to find open teammates. Again, an extra pass or like attacking closeout and maintaining an advantage. He's just overall like a really, really good off-ball scorer, really good second side connector type of guy who can both convert and maintain advantages in a variety of ways, which I've said this a lot of times. Guys who can convert and maintain advantages is what Presti's looking for next to Shane Giddy. So that baseline of like off-ball scoring, and I think he has the upside to grow into more, right? Um, he's shown a lot to like as a creator off the bounce, even though his burst sucks. His baseline handle is pretty impressive, and he has the proprioception to weaponize it despite his poor burst. His east-west shake is really impressive. So like all that, and he and he's showing some really impressive shot making off the bounce last season in college. So if he grows into an on-ball score, that's really good. Even if he doesn't, you know, he's one of the best off-ball scorers in this draft, which you always like next to Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, and Chet. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up the best shooter in this class, one of the two, three best, really good off-ball skill set. The only thing holding him, him back from being – the pick at 12 is his defense, obviously. I don't think uh, Presley likes his defense at all. Not many people do, which is why I think the Thunder are probably going to be out on him by the time draft night comes up. But, like, that type of ancillary skill set with the upside to grow into more, like, real upside at 6'8", that kind of shooting, it's not very common. So, I think he would be a great pick at 12. Presty has drafted bad defenders before. If they draft, if they trapped, uh, if they draft Howard at 12, that would not be the worst defender they've drafted since the start of the tank. Um, because they did draft Trey Mann. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'd i be intrigued by that fit. I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And at the very least, like, I, I think he is, I, I would prefer him as a bet in this range to like Jang, who they took last year, just because yeah. I, 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 I would rather figure out like what that offensive fit has to be. And then try and build from there and and you can't have too many wings to try and figure stuff out especially when your star is a big guard um yeah stone who are some guys who stand out to you who you'd be interested in here at 12 um <clears throat> there's a couple of guys between like 20 and 30 i like probably that are, are reaches at 12 um <clears throat> i i like the Kassan pick for sure um and another guard i'll bring up is nick smith jr and it sounds weird taking guards at 12, right? Because you already have like three of them. But I think the way to look at it is like Jalen Williams and the Santa Clara one played the floor, played the four for like a majority of last season as a rookie. Giddy's massive. Um, I think he could hang on the wing. Like I think you have guys that, although they have guard skill sets, can still defend up in rotations. Um, so I think you it allows you to uh draft another guard without having to worry too much about you know defensively not being big enough um i think i I think he makes a lot of sense i like buffkin here too i think buffkin works as a guy who is another really strong defender at the guard position 
Um, can do a lot of stuff off ball, I think improved as a shooter, uh, especially since last season. Um, so I'm, th- those are the guys uh, I would say like Podziemski and Sissoko. I just think this might be a bit higher than their range might be on draft night, but I am sort of of the position of like, kind of just take who you like. So I, I would throw Sissoko and, and Podziemski here, but again, I think this might be a little high for, where they're projected to go under F eight. See, and I, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say Podziemski, and some of this is maybe just like, like I think it would be hilarious if the the upperclassman or, or uh, not Pods isn't an upperclassman; he's a sophomore, but like non one and done freshman from Santa Clara has this huge postseason rise to OKC in the lottery two years in a row. I think that'd be hilarious. I also love Pods; like I think Pods is really good he can absolutely do a lot of this continue the advantage stuff and the defensive versatility is a question in terms of on the ball but i think he would actually be like another really great off ball defender on this team and i love that idea just like building a team around chet as your defensive anchor that's just full of like havoc creating on ball or off ball defenders um knowing that if they get cooked on the ball you'll have chet back there uh, to clean things up. I, I think that would be fascinating. He can absolutely shoot. He can absolutely run a second side pick and roll. One of you mentioned proprioception with Howard. Uh, that I think of it as with pods in terms of like just his understanding of space and where defenders are at. Um, I think it's great. So that would be like my like would it seem like a reach to some maybe, but I have pods at 10 on my board. So or at 11, I should say. And and I, I'd be into that pick. Um, let's talk about some reaches and the one that I'm going to jump in here and just say immediately is Ryan repair. Again, there was a report that linked, um, this team to repair. I don't think this is where repairs range actually is. Um, and I think there's probably just, again, like, I don't trust the smoke coming from OKC sources really at all. Um, but if they did draft repair, I would think that's a pretty bad pick. I thought Jang was a bad pick last year. Um, and I actually like repair a little more than I liked Jang, um but i i just i don't think he is a he's another guy who's like such a project as a shooter um the defense is good but it's not like absurdly good and the handle and finishing are not quite there for him to be like a true like creator despite me liking the passing so i'd be pretty out on repair kr are there any guys who you would be pretty out on should the thunder take them at 12 um, for me, my main one is like Derek Lively. I've seen like um a lot of people say we should take Derek Lively. Some OKC sources, some not. Uh, even I'm pretty sure uh like Draft Express or Jonathan Wasserman. I don't know which one. I'm pretty sure one of them mocked Derek Lively. So OKC one of their mocks of like the past two weeks or something, and that's just something that's never gonna happen, right? Like you look at our the guys we've drafted over the past two three years. All of them are guys who can put the ball on the floor. They have some type of handle. They can attack closeouts they can shoot and they can like okay wants five guys who can bring the ball up the floor uh which is why i like dress so much there's this no shot we draft a traditional big ever or if i don't even think we're gonna have a traditional big on this roster at any point forget drafting one i just don't think Derek lively is like a realistic target like some people might think he is at 12 yeah i think i think that's an absolutely great point and, and I know Stone and I are definitely in agreement with you. Stone, is there anyone else who you would think is, is kind of a reach here? Um, I'll Actually, I'll push back a little bit on Koulibaly. I don't love that pick here. I think 
just the process of it when you think about it like you took poku who is a project obviously has it pinned out to the way you had hoped maybe um but then you you take another shot with jiang and i think it's almost like you're just you're putting too many prospects in at once like if you're going to invest on a guy at 12 like they did with jiang and you invested maybe more right because you moved back in to get him i think you uh, you want to take on like maybe one of these guys at a time because if you're investing that kind of pick capital into them I think you're expecting them to be like a high level starter and and developing two of those guys simultaneously I think is going to be tough um the other thing I would say is another guy kind of like in a similar type sense would be Gigi Jackson I don't know if 11 is maybe his range where it kind of or 12 I mean is where his range sort of starts um but I think he would be a, another tough guy where it's going to take a couple years, I think, for him to really develop and grow into that. And for the re- same reasons I mentioned with Bilal, I think it's just the process of that sort of pick doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I agree with you on Gigi. Uh, there's no way, like, if we were to draft him, we would give him the ample amount of reps he needs to, like, develop on the ball. Uh, Bilal, I agree with you, too. He's definitely not my first pick or my favorite fit. I think the argument there is like if we were to move on from door, we need at least like one perimeter stopper, one guy who can nav- navigate screens well next to Chet. Like you look at Gobert in Utah, he had no screen navigators and that hurt their offense a little bit. So if we were to move on from door, Bilal, I think, is one of the best screen navigators in this class. Like you look at him chasing guys off the ball, both chasing guys off the ball and navigating screens on the ball is just the way he can slid it through screens is crazy. So that kind of perimeter guy you have next to Chet, if you were to move on from door, that gives you kind of a little bit of versatility, but I do agree with the points that you made uh, with both Kulabali and Chichi. Last guy I'll throw out here that I think would be sort of a reach is, and it wouldn't even be a reach because he would be considered a baller, but I don't love Taylor Hendricks's fit here um, for a lot of the reasons we've kind of mentioned. I don't think he's a quick decision maker. I like the shot. I like him as a second side rim protector. I don't think that's what the Thunder are looking for. And I've gotten to a point where, where I value fit quite a bit, not, not in like this, like, objective like you know you can't draft certain players and you know and and like it's hard like it's there's not like a hard line but like you have to get guys who fit within your organizational ethos or they're just not going to like play and and Hendricks just does not fit what this team wants to do so even if he's a follower I would rather like trade back to like I don't know 15 with the Hawks the Hawks the Hawks could use a guy like Taylor Hendricks he's a great fit there Trade back to 15, pick up a couple future seconds or, or you know, something or offload. I guess the Thunder don't have a bad contract, but, you know, whatever. And then draft someone who who fits your organizational ethos a little better. So with, with you guys there, let's move on to 37. And when we get to the second round, we don't really do reaches or anything like that. We don't even, like, have to name, like, you know, we, we went pretty in-depth with, with 12, obviously. Talked about basically everyone who could probably be drafted there. But 37 is more just like, who are our favorite guys? Who are who are players that we really hope the Thunder take, take a chance on? So, KR, I'll open the floor up to you again. Who are some guys that you really want the Thunder to, to give a hard look here at 37? I think in terms of forwards, Trace Jackson Davis screams Presty a lot. Like, his movement skills, passing, and defense at that position. Like, you look at Jalen Williams, the guys who drafted, I think he's that kind of guy. The shot blocking is, like, especially impressive. Someone who can, like, pass and block shots like him, I think Presti's always going to take a look into. Jordan Walsh is one of my personal favorites. I think, like, his movement, sco- his movement skills, his coordination, and his defensive versatility, especially at that size and length, also scream thunder. Obviously, the shot is very shaky. But if he can – this draft has a lot of if shooters. 
and he's one of those guys if he can shoot that like he can bring a lot of value value to any team so he's one of my personal favorites city sissoko i don't think he quite drops to 37 but if he were i think he's a pretty good fit too he's something he's a guy who isn't necessarily necessarily great at one thing but he's good at everything and his size ball skills passing feel and defense it's the pressy archetype again i don't think he's gonna fall to 37 and if you want to go to guards, Marcus Sasser, he's a fun shot creator and some he has some fun shot creation and passing. If you can get him in the second round, Julian Strother, another nice ancillary guy, even though defense is a question mark. And even Ricky Council, if you were to drop, I have Ricky Council in like the first round right now. He's like an incredible athlete, one of the best finishers in the class, really complete skill set outside of like just the shooting, obviously. So if he were to fall, he's another guy I like. So Trish Jackson, Marcus Sasser, Julian Strother, Ricky Council, and City Suzoko, those are like the five guys I like here. Yeah, Stone, is there anyone who stands out for you at this area? Uh, I agree with quite a few of those names. Uh, the other guy I would throw in who I, I think is just like the easy, to me, it's just if you need shooting uh, and you feel, I feel really confident that this guy is going to do that, uh, just take him in the second and fill that hole would be Seth Lundy for me. Um, Just the, the Thunder, we've already talked about their spacing needs. I think taking someone that really... I feel confident we'll do that um, and having someone like him and Joe to, you know, interchange or, or play together even like, I think that that is a, is a huge get um, in the second round to, to feel that confident in um, outside of him. Like there's other guys like Jordan Miller, I think is interesting as like a, a maybe a dribble past shoot type guy um, who it can do a lot of things, kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none type, but um. Yeah, th- those are probably the only two names that that come to mind. So, I'll I'll quickly name a couple guys who I think could be stashed. Uh, Trisha Vucevic. Um, is I think like would be a really fascinating fit here. Um, as like kind of a modern offensive big. The defensive questions are weird, but he's obviously not going to start. I think there's a team that could really use stash. This is a really weak stash class. There's just not a lot of like overseas guys. Uh, in general. Maybe this is where Ryan Rupert makes some sense, actually. Like, I don't know if he gets this far. This is more the range where I would have him. Um, but, I, I, you know, if he's here, you could probably draft him and stash him. Um, you know, City could also be a stash, as weird as that kind of seems. Um, but then, other than that, like, we, we've talked about this team's needs a little bit. Um, point of attack defense, outside shooting. Um, it's obviously hard to get a, a ton of guys like that, but... I think maybe this is where like an Amari Bailey is and, and his point of attack defense is interesting, even if he's not a great screen navigator. Um, I would really like Craig Porter Jr. here. Now he's probably more undrafted. We can kind of combine this with like undrafted. Honestly, it's pretty, pretty similar range. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, just because this draft is so flat. Um, Porter Jr. is another great off ball defender in this class. So I think it hits my outside shots could provide some intrigue. It's like a, just an option. Um, and then I also really like Colin Castleton here. Um, Castleton is a guy that I think is actually going to end up drafted, and that might surprise some. And while you look at him and you see the 6'11 white guy, you know, who didn't dunk a ton, you're like, oh, that's probably a traditional big. But he's actually more versatile than I think he kind of gets credit for. He can really he can really pass. He's a great passer, can run a lot of, like, split actions, high post actions. Not really a shooter, but can put the ball on the ground a little bit, has great touch. And then as a versatile defender, I mean, he was one of the best rim protectors in college basketball this year, but he can also switch a little bit. I thought uh, he was one of the best defenders in isolation on Brandon Miller of anyone I've watched this whole year. And 
that might speak a little bit to Brandon Miller, but I also think it does speak some to Castleton that he can really slide his feet with some guys and um, his footwork is excellent on the perimeter. So just a couple names. I, I think this is a really interesting area. Um, so I'll throw this back to you because I, I kind of pivoted and switched it back to combine. Are there any other, like, do you have any UDFA guys you'd be interested in here? Or, um, I, you know, did I kind of name the, the lot? Uh, I mean, UDFA guys, we can go all day. Uh, we could go all day. That's the hard. That's always the hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of like, in general, I'm a fan of having three centers because I feel like, um, I mean, with Chet, you never like he had his injury. I'm not expecting him to be injury prone or anything. I just think it's good to have insurance. Jalen Williams was there, thankfully. But then, you know, you want probably a backup to your backup if anything were to happen. Um, so I'm a big fan of just always rostering three centers just in case and having different looks of three centers could be interesting too, because I think Jalen Williams filled in quite admirably, but he's not really a rim protector. He's definitely more of a, like a scheme and team type defender. Um, so someone that I think would be interesting, that's probably more traditional, but at the same time, like I said, having a third center, who's, you know, sort of your break in kit break uh in worst case sort of guy uh i'm gonna throw some love out to my guy vinicius da silva um who's overseas but i think uh could be a stash guy maybe could be the guy you bring over um seven foot one massive wingspan uh definitely more of a a, a rim runner type um he shows flashes of touch he'll break out at three occasionally but it's not really a, a huge part of his game but i think as someone that can be that you know third center there's a role for that on this team i think and and he's about as uh, good an option as anybody in this sort of range to do that um i think the other guy i would throw out here uh in who's somewhat the same gives a different bit of a look would be kamaka hepa out of hawaii i think he's really interesting as like this pass guy a guy who can hit occasional spot up threes um, really good footwork defensively. Uh, I think he's more of like a Jalen Williams, the Arkansas type um, defender, but I think he brings uh, different things a little bit, uh, probably a bit stronger in the post. So um, those would be the two like uh, undrafted guys or maybe I take at 50 um, who don't have a lot of buzz really at all, but I think are somewhat like in, should be on NBA radars. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, KR. Before we wrap this up, we always like to ask our guests, like, think big picture. What's the best case and worst case scenario? Worst case is really hard for the Thunder. Like, they just, they're just in such a good spot. But, you know, if you can kind of get creative, KR, what's your worst case scenario for the Thunder this offseason? Um, yeah, that is that is a little bit hard to think about. Like, uh considering how much uh like room for uh like misses we have with the amount of assets we have uh i would say maybe drafting someone like rupert or like gg at 12 would be pretty bad i don't think the fit there is good uh and maybe someone getting injured this offseason but obviously like that's a whole different thing it's a little would you hard throw, for me. Would you throw trading for Jalen Brown into this worst case scenario? Oh, oh yeah, wait, yeah, no, that such trading for someone like Jalen Brown, I feel like would disrupt what we what we what we have going on here. I don't think Presley would do that, so I'm not worried about something like that. But if we were to, I think that would be pretty horrific. Just the fit there, I'm not. I have nothing against Jalen Brown. I think the fit there is pretty shaky. So 
yeah, something like that would probably be a worst case scenario. Yeah, uh, let's let's end it on a positive note. What's your best case scenario? Uh, for me, the best case scenario is shooting up for dress. Uh, I know I th- I don't, uh, you guys may not be as high on him as me, but he's probably my favorite prospect to watch in this draft. And I just think the fit there defensively as another Havoc wrecker, as a secondary room protector next to Chet, someone who can cover rotations in their scheme, which uh, their scheme is based around over-rotating to limit penetration and then going back, recovering to the perimeter, recovering the perimeter shooters. The amount of ground he can cover there, the Havoc he wrecks, the secondary room protection, how he can switch, he's scheme versatile. And then on offense, his passing on short rolls, his connective passing, his decision-making just fits in super well next to uh, Shane Giddy. And if he can shoot, that's even scarier. So I just think trading up for Jurez is the best-case scenario. Yeah, no, I love it. KR, we can't thank you enough for, for taking the time out to come on. You know, you you do a lot of great work, and, and I really do love all the stuff you do. And it'll all be linked down below, but let people know where they can find it. Oh, thank you, man. That's uh means a lot. Uh, I'm at the flare screen on Twitter and Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted there in a while, but if you'd like to check it out, check it out. That's also the flare screen. I have a Wix website where I post my articles. It's like a blog, uh, the flare screen that slash the flare screen. I recently wrote about Jet Howard and proprioception. I have another article coming about, about, about I have another article coming out about Amen Thompson and I'm looking to make an article about OKC's best targets at 12, which we obviously talked about on this podcast. So that was a great conversation to have. So, yeah, thanks for having me. It was really great being on and talking everything Thunder with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I can't recommend KR stuff enough. Uh, he's at the player screen. Um, yeah, this was a great conversation. I really think that the Thunder, it, it's it's almost a hard one to have because they're in such a good spot. Like how, how many teams... Stone, I'll actually ask you this. How many teams have we been this positive on in this 30 for 30 series? Is this, I mean, is this the most positive we've been? Uh, I mean, I think it's the Spurs. Um, the Nuggets, uh, too. It's probably the other yeah, one, right? We were yeah, super nuggets, positive yeah, on the Nuggets. About to win the finals. So, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's probably a, a small handful, but Thunder are right near the top of that. Like, I think they have the brightest future as anyone to really moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this has been great. Again, follow KR. Stone is out. Quarter score court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Give us a like, rating, view all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, this has been the episode. It's going to be a draft podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.